Hey everyone, welcome to the Dear Family Courts podcast. My name is Lisa Welter and I'm your host. Jen Konezny is my co-host and she is out on vacation. Guys, last week I went to Alaska. We did a 1,300 mile trip all across the Kenai Peninsula, up to Fairbanks, to Denali Mountain, back down to Anchorage. And wow, if you have not gone to Alaska, I'm telling you, it's probably one of the most majestic yet tranquil uh, places on planet Earth. I've seen nothing like it. And I told my husband, boy, uh, forget Florida for uh, time in the winter to go and, you know, vacation. I would rather spend my time up in Alaska. But anyway, it was a great week. It's good to be with you. And in fact, Jen is up there as well. No, we were not together as families. We really had our own family adventures planned. And so it's good to be back with you this week. Well, today's topic is a little um, closely related to, again, women, but also to families. Today, we're going to talk specifically about the child welfare system. I know I've talked about this before, but I really wanted to uh, give you some detailed information on how transformative family mediation can fit the needs in a lot of different ways in the child welfare world. So today is meant for women. It's those that are working with families. If it's in foster care, maybe you've adopted yourself. Um, Maybe you're working in nonprofit prevention work like I did. Um, Perhaps you're a church leader and you're giving consideration to a potential outreach program. Maybe you're a child protection social worker or a social worker in the field. This episode is meant for you today. How transformative family mediation can be uh, a very specific and um, successful intervention for the work that you're doing. In previous episodes, I did bring up some of the challenges within child welfare, and most of us would agree that the system is broken. The social services system is broken. There are so many great people working for the cause of children and families, but I think most of us would say that this is really a challenging area within our communities, within our counties to see success. And we know that our kids in the community are, are, are the ones that are impacted by child welfare, absolutely absorb the shock of, of what the system does. A couple of episodes ago, well, it actually was long, like 20 episodes ago, I shared a particular story that I want to bring back today. I was working in preventative work in a nonprofit setting, working to build um, collaborative relationships with a various amount of counties in the state of Minnesota. I had successfully done that with 18 counties, and I was attending a state leadership meeting, and it was a group of foster care, adoptive, prevention, county workers, nonprofit leaders, uh, those that were giving their careers, their lives, their volunteer energies for the betterment of children and, and families within child welfare. And at one particular meeting, one of the state leaders came up to me and she goes, oh my goodness, I just love what you guys are doing in prevention work. She goes, there's just one thing I wish you guys would would do. And uh, she said, I wish you would help families that were reaching out asking for host uh, families, if you would help them get reconnected to their family of origin so that children would not have to be placed in homes um, outside of their family members. And 
I remember in that moment, my blood just boiling. I was so angry at her comments and I really struggled with what, why? Why was I having such a reaction to her comments? Because she was right. Absolutely. Children, um, if there's a a healthy family that a child can be a part of, it is always best for children to stay within their family of origin. And the work that we were doing was recruiting volunteer families who had wonderful hearts to serve primarily um, single moms who were struggling so that they did not um, come to the attention of child welfare or if they had come to the child or come to the attention of the child protection system, we could help intervene and support that mom to keep her family together. And as I reflected on her comments, it really has been um, interesting to think about the journey I was in when I went through my own 150 hearings in the courts. It was the family court system process that caused an enormous amount of grief, struggle, frustration. It landed on my children in a way that I, as the parent, had to manage and um, put into practice what the courts had uh, said we were going to do. We had guardian ad litems involved. We had reunification therapists. And this was a divorce proceeding or a grandparent litigation. And in my work in child welfare, I found that the parents who were struggling reaching out to us for prevention help had similar circumstances in their lives. Not similar as far as maybe having gone through divorce, but there was this root of conflict that was happening in their their personal life or it was happening within them that they couldn't resolve and this is where they were getting stuck and the courts were making decisions on behalf of them And they were having a similar experience that I did, even through a divorce, child abuse, grandparent litigation, all the things that I experienced. At the core of it, it was the process itself from the the family court systems that was creating this dynamic. And as I reflected on the state leader's comment that, you know, if I had just done the work in prevention to help reunite or work through the dynamics between that biological parent and their family of origin, I started putting two and two together. You see, most of the moms that were coming to our our nonprofit for help had grown up in the foster care system themselves. Not 100%, but quite a large proportion of them. Most of them had lots of conflict that was unresolved. There was um, unresolved harm that had happened and and so it made sense that these women typically had not worked through that conflict which was a byproduct of the family court system decision making during the foster care you know status that they had as a child that this was playing into their future causing them to need services and support to prevent their children from going into foster care because they had no family to rely on. Or perhaps if they did have family, they weren't in a position where it was healthy, there was accountability that they could um, rely on them for support. And guys, this is um, this is a lot of why I do what I do, is to raise awareness that the problems that families face in divorce, 
litigation, custody battles, the post-decree issues. It's the process itself that is increasing and inflaming the conflict in that home. And then in the long-term living, you know, circumstances and atmospheres that parents are managing, we look at the foster care system in comparison to those that have been gone through divorce and custody, we're seeing, I saw very similar issues in the homes. Parents are stressed to the max, the courts are making decisions, and uh, children are absorbing the shock. And frequently there is harm that has happened to a child and um, the process itself doesn't work. So if it doesn't work for divorce, we know it is not working well for foster care. At the core of it, we've got family court systems making these calls, making these decisions, drafting orders, signing agreements, and it's not working. Now, what's beautiful about Minnesota is there is a statute here in Minnesota, and I would, I would wager there's probably a lot of states doing this, that the divorce courts, the family court system, requires a couple who is going through a divorce to attempt to mediate first. The courts in Minnesota have acknowledged that mediation is a much better process for families to navigate through. And so the courts have given their endorsement and they approve training methods that can support families to make their own decisions, be held accountable for what has gone on in that relationship, what, you know, because it's falling apart, and then building the future that they want with a qualified neutral. That's what they call it. Why wouldn't this process be a standard for those that are working um, within the foster care system as well? Why don't we have interventions at the very beginning of child protection and um, out-of-home placements that reflects what the divorce courts are doing as well. I'm not suggesting that the problems are exactly the same. I'm suggesting that the process itself does not work. Therefore, it would behoove the child welfare system to also implement a mediation strategy to uh, be more effective for the outcomes for children and parents and keeping these families out of the courts while still paying attention to the safety of children, paying attention to signed agreements that are necessary, paying attention to the harm that has occurred and the accountability that is necessary. Guys, transformative family mediation does all of that. It satisfies the harm and addresses the harm. It addresses the accountability where parents have gone sideways sideways, and things have fallen apart. Um, but it also... Um, allows child welfare to access a process that has already been approved by the family court system, which is mediation. And combining those together can result in much better outcomes. We see it happening in divorce all the time. So much better. Parents have so much more success and there's not the long-standing conflict that we see when court orders are written and when judges are making decisions on behalf of of parents and children. And so I want to leave you with a few thoughts for those of you who are considering like, gosh, do I do transformative family mediation training? Please say yes, because the child welfare system in your local community needs you. 
If you are a social worker, you work in the county system, or you work in a program that is trying to support families in foster care, adoption, doing prevention work, everyone should be trained in this process to include it in the process that they are offering because it supports families in a much more holistic and a relational dynamic that creates better buy-in by the parents, but also can include the children's voices as um, you see appropriate. So not only does this transformative family mediation work for divorce and is accepted by the courts, Minnesota has now worked with us and approved our training. And we believe because we have experience in this, this is very beneficial for the foster care arena as well and for the entire spectrum of child welfare to, um, to be effective. So once people get trained in transformative family mediation, it's a 43-hour program. That's what we offer. We've got one coming up in September. We've got another one coming up in, in November. Friends, if you're a nonprofit leader, you're a county leader, please consider sending someone to get trained. The investment of that training is going to far exceed your expectations of what you can do to build momentum in your community to have a community-based plan to intervene in the lives of families and children and pull these families out of the direct confrontational environment of the family court systems. Your county attorneys are going to love you if you are offering a process that is volunteer-based, family-driven, and produces better outcomes. We see it already in the divorce courts. We will see it in the child welfare arena. What I would suggest is you just have to do transformative family mediation for a longer stint of time because there are pretty deep and significant multifaceted issues going on. You would extend the need for services for a greater length of time, um, maybe than just the five or six mediation sessions that would be required for a divorce process. You would maybe extend it for six months to a year and do regular meetings, draft agreements with those parents and community members on what it's going to take for the parent to address the harm that occurred to a child, keep that child safe and out of harm's way, and then work the plan towards health restoration and reunification. We have cohorts after the transformative family mediation, and I have built a cohort. It's a monthly cohort. So you can meet with others that are thinking in the same ways that you are. But I have a cohort that's meeting starting October just for child welfare. And the goal of this cohort is once you've been equipped in transformative family mediation, so you get the skills, you get the specifics, you get qualified by the courts to do this, Then we start digging into the practical application of this. How can transformative family mediation be appropriate for your line of work in child welfare? And so I'm going to just give you a list of the topics that we will be talking about, and I'm going to quickly unpack them for you. We're first going to talk about how to do prevention using transformative family mediation and bringing volunteers to support you. If you have a nonprofit, you are doing prevention work already, or maybe you're at a county and you're thinking, ooh, this is the lane we want to be in. We will equip you in this cohort to learn how to think about training and equipping volunteers. 
We'll give you uh, job descriptions for volunteers. We'll show you how to train and equip volunteers. We will show you how to go into your community and look for those that might be interested in becoming trained to help you find those members that are willing to sit in circle with these parents and do the um the prevention work to keep parents from entering into the child welfare system in the first place. Then we're going to talk about how to introduce transformative family mediation into child welfare interventions. How could a county start using this particular training to start bringing it inside the departments with their social workers in the foster care unit, in the kinship unit, in the adoption uh, unit, perhaps in the youth transitioning um, out the wards of the state. We will unpack where all of these skills will fit into and, and apply within the child welfare interventions. We can train and equip social workers to do this, marriage and family therapists who are doing social welfare work. But we can show you where it will fit into all of these various interventions and start giving you ideas and ways to begin to implement that. Then we're going to work with child protection. We're going to have a conversation just about child protection and how child protection can use restorative circles specifically and uh, render the support of volunteers to promote child safety while addressing the parent needs. Now, if you can, as a county leader or a nonprofit, find 15, 20, 30 volunteers who would be willing to sit in circle. If you or send one of your teammates to be trained or a couple of people to be trained, you would use those volunteers in your community to conduct regular restorative circles for the intervention um, work right at the line when the child protection hotline call gets made. You can have your volunteers step in and promote uh, the child safety needs or the concerns that might be having and bring accountability. You know, for me, when we can have friendly faces from our community, loving our, our parents who are in a very hard place, maybe they made a wrong decision at the wrong time, but bring the, the loving accountability that is needed because we know that social welfare is looking at all the risks and trying to mitigate that. The community is the best resource to support, come alongside those parents, but doing it in a relational format. These volunteers can even help do um, child welfare checks alongside the social worker. So social workers in child protection could have an army of volunteers that they could draw from to help them in their, um, in their concerns that they see in households. I mean, it's just beautiful what restorative circles can do. And I know that many child welfare offices are starting to look at restorative circles to do that. Why not get trained in transformative family mediation? We can become approved by the courts to accept and receive families for, from the family courts and also be trained and equipped in restorative circles. We blend the two together. It's going to give you the most effective lens to do this work, but also give you enough flexibility that you can grab one skill set over the other, um, vice versa, or blend circles and mediation together. It really will be up to you once you've been trained how you want to use that. Then we're going to move into out-of-home placements. 
Out-of-home placements to me is a big deal. The reason why this is a big deal to me is when I did prevention work and worked with host families and biological parents, it is really stressful for children to move into a stranger's home for whatever season it might be. It's even worse when it's foster care. It tends to be emergency-based, well, it is, and it's stressful for the parent and for the child. And transformative family mediation will train you to specifically address the child's needs and address their sense of belonging and the stability from a very early on point. So as that out-of-home placement happens, you can be trained and equipped to know how to lean in on the conflict within the child itself, the child themselves, because every child who experiences this when they're at the age where they're processing cognitively and thinking about this, they might be taking on this idea that I caused this or why am I going into this person's house? Um, They might be telling themselves a lie based on what had happened. And uh, this is where we see this internal conflict in children. Uh, It's the start. It can be one of the starting points. Why not get trained in this process so that if out-of-home placement happens, you as the social worker can quickly address this, hold a a restorative circle as the child is moving into out-of-home placement and working with the, uh, the foster family, but making sure that there's regular work being done with that child just with, just as a group, that it their sense of self is not jeopardized. Their sense of belonging isn't broken. Um, their sense of feeling understood and heard is elevated for the child's sake. So we're going to spend time on that. We're also going to talk about how to use transformative family mediation with reunification processes. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how reunification processes. I'm going to actually help develop circle agendas with those that are attending this cohort so you can jump right in and give it a try with the families that you are working on doing reunification processes with. Who might be involved in reunification circles or uh, restorative circles? You might include just the foster family and the children and the social worker. So this would be a circumstance where the social worker could be trained in this or maybe a nonprofit that's coming alongside and supporting. But then you could include the biological parent into that. You could bring in uh, other resourcing professionals that are helping out, therapists, the um, guardian ed items, any of the professionals that are working and suggesting reunifications taking place could be a part of this process and help that parent move back to um, a a successful reunification. We're going to talk about setting up biological families for success. So what I mean by that is how do we equip the parent who may have had their children out of home placement, be prepared for the days ahead. So we're going to train you in transformative family mediation, how to do personalized workshops with these parents. How do we teach and equip a parent how to include the voice of their children, how to slow down using circles at home so that their their kids have voice who um, may have been hurt in the past, that this process would be taught 
and um, facilitated by the parent themselves once they're in a, a stable place. But this would also equip the children, the teenagers, to know how to bring their problems forward in a, in a manner that's going to be productive and helpful. It's respectful. It's honoring. It's culturally specific to the needs within that family. You, as the one who gets tra- trained in transformative family mediation, would know exactly how to lean in with that family and help them move towards a place where it, it's kind of like teach a man to fish. You're teaching them how to fish, not just giving them the fish. You're helping them be successful for the long term in their family because guarantee that family is going to have challenges. More conflict is going to arise. And what better way than to offer them with a tool that they can bring home with them and know how to implement. Um, Some other ideas of what we're going to talk about, how do we use transformative family mediation when parental rights are being terminated? Man, oh man, here's an opportunity for the direct work of a social worker or a nonprofit to lean in and support parents in this particular season. Typically, this is where, you know, things have failed. Parents' rights are being terminated. What if the children could have access to restorative process to help them through this season? What if the parent themselves had access to this process and had a loving community rallying around them, helping them move forward with life? What if the process itself included transformative family mediation and that all of this could be done outside of the courts instead of the extremes and the the high levels of conflict and inflammation that occur in the process itself. This process is just as effective and can still have uh, you know signed agreements that can be turned back to the courts, but we can maintain the relational needs for both the children and the parent throughout the entire process using transformative family mediation and still work towards uh, those circumstances where it really is a better option for parental rights to be terminated. This process works for that. We're going to talk about um, accountability. How do we bring accountability to the biological parents when harm has been done to children? How do we place a restorative circle around that parent for a long season to help them transform in how they're parenting, how they're thinking about parenting. Frequently, this is an issue with their sense of self, their sense of purpose, their sense of family. All of that is in conflict, and this process can uphold and bring balance to all of that. You can do this with with volunteers. Um, You can do this with other family members. There's a lot of different ways in which this can work. Then we're going to talk about how to use transformative family mediation to heal from harm. Healing circles for parents, children, family units, helping foster families work through trauma of their own, providing restorative circles just for healing itself is huge. Um, And then our final three sessions in this cohort, we're going to talk about how to stabilize foster and kinship families. So the families receiving children into their home, lots of conflict there, (laughs) lots of challenges. We're going to teach you how to help bring stability, um, actually to offer 
time investment, relational investment to the families serving um, in your community. This is a beautiful practice to train and equip others to do this with. We're going to talk about teens and at-risk youth. How do we guide difficult conversations and transform behavior with these at-risk teens um, so that we're reducing the pipeline to prison? And then last, we're going to talk about how to invest and retain your foster family. So kind of similar to what I shared before, but giving uh, tools in child welfare, those families that have been trained and equipped to take in children, whether it's their grandkids, it's uh, children they don't know, maybe it's host families taking in kids. We want every home, every, every foster care provider, every adoptive home, every host home to be trained and equipped in this. And so we're going to do all of this in our child welfare cohort. And so first you have to be trained. You have to go through the transformative family mediation training coming up in September. Right now, the cost is $12.99. That's 43 hours of training. At the end of your training, you will turn in your certificate to the Minnesota courts, or if you happen to live in a different state, to your jurisdiction. Uh, get onto the qualified neutral roster, and then you would jump into this child welfare cohort and follow with others, peers that are having the like-minded um, ideas of what you're doing, whether you're a child welfare leader right now, you're looking to launch a nonprofit, you have launched a nonprofit, this cohort is going to give you all the specific tangibles that you would need for implementation and also the creativity um, of what I've learned to, to bring this forward. So this cohort is led by me. Uh, the subscription for it is $360 for the entire year. You could also just do quarterly subscriptions or you can do monthly. We meet by Zoom. And so friends, if you are thinking about doing child welfare, here's your moment. Jump in, support local child welfare entities. They are desperate for your help. They're desperate for the community to step in and come alongside of you. But if you're a child welfare leader, please, 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 consider sending one of your staff to the transformative family mediation training and have an, an advantage from all of your peers that is going to be long lasting success in the families that you're serving. So with that, friends, uh, we do have a conversation happening. You can go to the website at thecatalassogroup.com. I have a child welfare conversation. It's called Circles and Mediation for Families. This Wednesday, so that's August 11th at noon central time. You're invited. All the details are there. It's free. I'm going to be talking and unpacking this in greater depth from what I've done today on this podcast. You can ask me questions, um, listen to others. We have a number of counties already coming to this conversation and nonprofits. And so you are invited, even if you are not um, in the world of child welfare now, but you're interested in this, there's a spot for you at the table. Come and listen. So that's all I have for you next week. We'll be back with Jen. And guys, um, I hope you have a great week. Take care. 